I would like to see more aliens because it, it's uh, an interesting way to bring in things that like don't already exist on Earth. Do you want them to explore the ones that are already there, like the Skrulls and the Kree? Yes. Because we had some good shapeshifters in like Captain Marvel, mm -hmm. and it turns out that some of the other characters may have been shapeshifting Skrulls the whole time. And I think we're getting into the more spacey stuff because the Eternals movie is coming right. out with ripped Camille Nanjiani. <laughs> I really enjoy following him on Instagram. Oh, I don't follow him. I just like him. He's very, like, self-deprecating. Like, he acknowledges that this isn't forever. <laughs> yeah, because he's a, a normal human who yeah. has kind of stumbled upon fame in many different ways for just being, like, smart and... Yeah. Amicable. Yeah. And like just a nice guy. Yeah. So he like has cheat day Fridays where he eats like an entire cake. Oh. And he always posts about it. And then other times he just like makes fun. He's like, look at this buff asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read much about him since he got all ripped. But the only thing he said is, uh, this is a bad idea. No one should do yeah. it. My life has suffered for it. This is not <laughs> sustainable or attainable to anybody who doesn't have like six personal trainers and four dietitians And a very forgiving wife, yeah. he added. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to see the Marvel Universe start going into other countries because yeah. we got all the american ones and pretty much every superhero almost is american yeah and they're always dealing with problems that are kind of about that country like in civil war it's about the american government and their business yeah yeah i think other countries have different problems and that might be an interesting way to go and all the good Canadian superheroes just go to the U.S. anyway. Exactly. Your Wolverines and Deadpools and I Vindicators and Sasquatches and Puck <laughs> and Alpha Flight. Anymore? Canadians? Yeah. Yeah. Who are those other, those twins from Alpha Flight? Someone out there knows. Alpha Flight wanted to love them because they're the Canadian mm -hmm. team. They're pretty lame. I want to see like a superhero movie set in Vancouver. I believe most superhero movies are actually filmed in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, Edmonton. I want to see an Edmonton superhero movie. I want to go to other countries because, like, let's go to Mumbai, and there's a guy who's a, the equivalent of Tony Stark over there, and he has an Iron Man-type suit, and oh, yeah. he's solving crimes in India. There's a there can be a Chinese guy who develops his mutant superpowers at puberty like so many of the X-Men. But then the Chinese government just says, like, you have to work for us now. But mm. then he joins the side of, like, the freedom fighters in Hong Kong. He and then fights he's... mind control. Yeah, the Chinese government's mind control. Yeah. I think that would be a really interesting movie. He could be, like, a double agent. Oh, I like that. I want to see a superhero family growing up in the favelas of Rio. <laughs> like, these are great stories and i would really like to see all of them but unfortunately i don't think anything like that will make it to air but no. there's probably comic books like that probably i'm sure there's more obscure comic books where they're growing in these environments but i'd probably have to go to that country and know that language to read them true it seems like it would be hard to get yeah oh well maybe marvel will listen to us and make all these movies but until then we're not here to talk about superheroes. We're here to talk about traveling pants. Oh, I love a good traveling pants. My name is Indy Magic Pants Randawa, and with me is Samantha Sisterhood Hees. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Sisterhood. It kind of works with Samantha. Yeah, it does. 
And this is a podcast called I Love This, You Should Too. Oh, that's what this is? That's what this is. Oh, okay, good. That's what I had prepared for, so I'm glad that that's what we ended up doing. It's not just marble talk. No. Last week, Samantha had suggested I watch the movie Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2 from 2008, after we'd watched the first one just a couple of weeks ago. She loved the first one as a kid. I thought it was actually pretty good. Lots of room for improvement, but good. Mm -hmm. And the second one... When was the last time you'd seen it? Probably when it came out. I don't remember it at all. All right. So it wasn't so much a I love this, you should too, as this might be good. What do you think? 2008 was a long time ago. It was. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I did not remember anything from this movie except for the pants. So upon this rewatching, what did you think? It was fine. Fine, huh? Yeah. It Disappointed? Like, a little bit. A little bit. That first one had so much, like, whimsy and magic to it that it was very, like, sweet and fun to watch. This one, they tried to grow them up too much, I think, and uh, it just was, like, too too much and too all over the place. At the very beginning, it's sillier. There's kind of a montage of mm-hmm. them in the time between. Mm-hmm. And that was poorly done, but... I'd argue if you kept the movie more like that, more magic, more Mm -hmm. silly, it would have been a better movie. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because that's what you expect from the first movie. I haven't read the books, but I know there's more books than movies. Yes. It seemed to me like this movie is most likely several books mashed together Mm. or the books are bad. (laughs) Both? Could go either way because there is a bunch of storylines that start and stop abruptly or are just forgotten about Mm -hmm. like lena's six-pack cook artist boyfriend yeah she falls in love never hear from that guy again we don't know what happened where'd he go and then with bridget we have the turkey storyline and the grandmother storyline and i feel like we could have just done with one of those i don't know what a second one added no and She kind of just forgot all about Turkey. She was, like, really obsessed with that body and finding the rest of her body. And she might be an archaeologist now. And then, oh, wait, letters? Okay, let's do this thing now. Yeah. And she's like, I really want to know what happened to that dead woman. And then she's like, Grandma? Yeah. Yeah, it it was all over the place. I think the thing I disliked about it most is it brought in a lot of bad teenage friendship tropes. Mm hmm. Because I was saying after the first one that I what I loved most about Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants is it shows the best parts about teenage girl friendships. Yes, yeah. I felt this one showed a lot of those bad parts. And I know that's more realistic in a sense, mm-hmm. but we have so many movies that are about girls talking about other girls behind their backs. Right. I don't want that in this movie. I want to see the strength of friendship. And we do go back to that every now and then, but Mm -hmm. it seems like just a quick fix at the end of a problem. They're like, oh, yeah, but remember how we're friends? Okay, all is forgiven, the end. Mm -hmm. We don't really get to see the support in the same ways we did in the first movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you miss out on that, and you miss out on the... The, like, underlying, like, they may fight, but you can still tell that they really like each other and that they are, like, sisters. Yeah, the arguments in this one seemed contrived or just more about misunderstandings. Yeah. Like, in any sitcom, you can watch an argument and someone could just explain, oh, I thought this happened because someone told me this. Oh, no, that's not the case. Here's the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's lazy writing. And we see that in this movie, which... 
feels out of place and it feels like it's bringing the quality of the movie down quite a bit from yeah. what the first one was because the first one although lots of weird issues and lots of tropes make their way into it mm -hmm. it felt like those characters were true to themselves and to each other to the point where i could forgive other shortcomings in the writing this one i didn't find the same sort of consistency or empathy for these characters mm -hmm. so it made it took me out of it more and it's making me more critical of things i forgave in the first one because the first one i, I just liked them more yeah i liked the actual characters more than i do in this movie yeah, absolutely. I agree. I um, did find some of those inconsistencies very distracting. Mm -hmm. And some of their choices that just made no sense. Yeah. Like, we, we talked a lot during this movie. And it was a lot like, why would you do that? Yeah. And it was like, did that just... Did did you understand that? Like I kept thinking I missed a scene. Or yeah, something. especially with Tibby, who we'll talk about later. Her whole thing just made no sense. And also with Carmen, a lot of the time she was angry at people for not knowing something she never told them. Yeah. Which I get is a part of Carmen's character, but I we'll get into it all. But I guess we could both say we're a little disappointed in this yeah. one. But let's go uh, character by character. Sounds good. And break it down and then we can come back at the end just as the sisters did Aww. and talk about it all together. And then so, be best friends forever. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you want to talk about first? Um, well, we just talked a little bit about Tibby, so let's start there. Sure. That is one of the more complicated ones. Mm -hmm. One of the more ambitious plot lines, I think. Yeah, I appreciated yet... them wanting to bring this kind of issue in. Ambitious yet poorly handled, I'd Very say. Very poorly handled. So let's uh, start off with Tibby. We find out that she is with Brian McBrian. You who... just enjoy saying Brian McBrian. Well, his <laughs> name's Brian McBrian. The one Asian character in his last name's McBrian. <laughs> but in the first movie, I made a joke about them ending up together. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they did. Yeah. And in the first movie, they looked like they were really different ages. And yeah. it was creepy. But now they look similar aged so yeah it's less creepy now yeah she's grown up he's stayed the same and now it looks less creepy although did they start dating like right after the first movie no because they said they'd only been together for nine months oh that's right that's right 10 months it's their 10 month anniversary oh, ten month anniversary right. right 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 the important one so if you do the math on that it seems like he waited until she was 18 to start dating her yes before she, like, got ready for college. Which is weird, but also good advice for those guys in that first movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait <laughs> wait till she's legal. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But uh, we're not talking about the creepy stuff in the first one. No. Uh, we see Tibby. She is uh, going to NYU film school. Mm-hmm. And it looks like she's shooting on film. So she has, like, a million-dollar budget for her little movie she's making, which good on her. Yeah. And she failed their romantic comedy class because she made her characters break up. That's a line from this movie because yeah. she's so edgy. She's so edgy and she doesn't believe in love. She's the most edgy character a 13-year-old could write. <laughs> True. Because she's like, I have a black wig on. I'm different. I'm edgy. I'm pretty dark. You probably don't like, get me. Pretty cool. What's a good romantic comedy? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. I'm so dark. Yeah, I I don't like that they made her, like, grumpy and edgy just for the sake of having a grumpy, edgy character. Isn't that what she was in the first one? Yeah. Tibby, the rebel. The rebel, yeah. But this one, she was just, like, pokey and standoffish. 
And she's a terrible employee. Oh, yeah. I don't know how she had a job. So let's go to the big night where she and Brian McBride are going to have sex. <laughs> yeah. And it starts off with, you're simple, like wine. Wasn't that a part of it? Yeah, there was something about wine and it didn't make any sense. No. Wine is known for being very complex. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a bit of a cringe-worthy scene. I think some of that is just that it was like their first time and they, you know, were still getting to know each other. She lives in a different city, too, so it's not like they've spent the past 10 months like living in close quarters or going on dates every day. But then afterwards, he's in the bathroom and comes back with the information that the condom broke. Yes. And he, like every male in this movie, has a six pack. Yes. Yeah. Because standing at that video game machine all day, he just gets ripped. (laughs) And how does she react to this? She gets mad at him. And she says, like, what, was I the first girl to say yes? And maybe, but... She's angry because he only had sex with her, that he hasn't had sex with other people? Yeah, she was mad that he's had the condom since graduation, and she just assumed that he went around asking girls to have sex with him? Even though they've been together for 10 months, so you probably have a pretty good idea of who he is. Yeah. And you've known him for like four years. Exactly. Yeah, you knew him that entire time. So it's not like like if he was dating a whole bunch of girls or just like going up to random girls on the street and being like, hey, want to have sex? I have a condom. Yeah. That's my stupid boy voice. That's pretty good. (laughs) Like, I don't think, I think she would have known about that by now. She's angry at him in a way, like, she found out that he's been sleeping with lots of people. Yeah. That's the energy she gives off of, like, so you're just doing this all over the place, huh? But it's, in fact, shown that he's saved this one condom that he had yeah. since he graduated. So clearly he hasn't been. Yeah, exactly. So then she essentially breaks up with him. Yes, but... Or refuses to refuses talk to, to him. Refuses to answer the question, right. are we breaking up? Yes. Um, I think this is very cruel. Yeah, this is not like, like, okay, she's 18 or 19. You know, you do really shitty, stupid things when you're that age. But at the same time, they look like they have a better relationship than that. It's not like they were dating for two months. Yeah, I feel like I should give the same advice that I always give when we listen to true crime podcasts. <laughs> Just break up with them. Yeah. Because we listen to a lot of murder ones. <laughs> yeah. And murder, usually it's the husband, right? So yeah. I always say like, if you don't want to be with them, just break up. With Get them. No a need to kill them. Or in this case, no need to let them keep calling you all the time. Just break up with yeah, them. Yeah. Just let them Don't go. murder people or ghost them. Just break up with them. Just break up with them. Then she's walking down his baby street. Do you remember that scene? Yo, baby street was crazy. Yeah, in the baby district. In the baby district <laughs> where all the babies live. Yeah. She's just walking down a street and everyone has four to six babies. Yeah, and everyone looks exhausted and is yelling at their children. But we also never really got the idea from her that her biggest fear is that she's pregnant. No. She doesn't even, she kind of glosses over that whole part of things. Until the end, yeah. Yeah, she just yells at him for sleeping with other girls he didn't. And then through Baby Street, we get to see that she's thinking about babies. Yes, yeah. And I mean... 
there are things you can do if you're worried that you're pregnant. Yeah. Like, there are avenues you can take, and she just lays on her bed and eats pizza. Right. And then when she gets the pants, she puts them on and just says, I need a miracle, I need a miracle. What miracle is she hoping for? At that point of the movie, I actually did not know. At the end, we kind of figure out what she was thinking. Yeah. At that point, did you know what she was hoping for? I think she was hoping for her period. Okay. Yeah. It turns out that was the case. But at the time, her motivations were just very muddled. Yeah. It's kind of like how Bridget was in the first movie that at the end, they tell you, oh, this is why those things happened. But if you actually know that going through, the actions don't make sense Mm -hmm. towards that. Yeah, it it was strange the way they approached this. And I've talked about this with other kind of teen situations that we've seen in movies. And like this could have been a really good teaching moment because you have young women who are watching this movie who like you could actually like tell them a thing or two. Yes. Especially with the prevalence of bad sexual education in the States. Yeah. This is like a time we can learn about the morning after pill or going to see a doctor or any pregnancy test information you want to throw in there. Right. That scene is done in so many movies when they get a pregnancy test and they're waiting for it. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why she didn't do that. They just like completely ignored the stuff that you could be teaching 18, 19 year old girls to do if this is a situation that they're in. Well, I think they specifically didn't show any emergency contraception Mm -hmm. because that's like too edgy for this movie. Yeah. And showing anything like that in a lot of uh, American movies gets you picketed pretty quickly. Yeah, I guess. I just want the world to be better. You know what I also learned? Because I never read reviews of movies, Mm -hmm. really. Uh, Just right now, before doing this, I needed a refresher on some characters, so I looked up reviews on this. Most reviews are that pop up on Google are from, like, Christian websites, and they tell you about how much sex and how Christian the movie is. Like, about half of the reviews on the first two pages are explicitly Christian. Huh. Yeah. What did they say? I didn't read them all. Oh, okay. (laughs) But it was just odd that that comes up before actual film publications yeah i guess maybe like the big film magazines that i like maybe didn't cover sisterhood of the traveling pants too oh really that's so strange maybe but christian magazines sure did so then lena comes to town and she finally tippy finally admits what she's been all upset about and then they like kind of deal with it and she takes pregnancy test and like it's just it's Done very poorly. Does she ever take the pregnancy test or she, does she get her period and then celebrates? No, she's she calls or talks to Lena on the phone and she's like, can I do anything to help you? Right. Like, what's wrong? You seem upset. And she's like, uh, you could get me like a pregnancy test. And then she's like, I'll be right there. Right. And then she drives up from Rhode Island. Yes. Yeah. And then they never talk about actually taking the pregnancy test or like her not being pregnant, but they eat ice cream together. And then she has a big falling out with Carmen because yes. Carmen expected her to know things. I can't remember exactly how that goes, but then she comes through for Carmen by going to help Carmen's mom deliver a baby. Yeah. And she says the baby looks like it's made out of marble. Or is a marble? Something like that. What a little marble? 
And then she cries when she sees the baby. Mm -hmm. What is that moment? Is that her saying like, oh, I do want a baby. It would be great. Is that a thing put in for all of those Christian websites to say like, no, she was never going to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. So don't even think about that. I don't know. I don't know what that moment was. It was maybe just like the miracle of life. Okay. Just like, oh, this is so nice. I don't have to hate everything. I don't know. I'm trying to put like meaning into something that doesn't really. There's so many moments in Tibby's story and the others as well where I'm not sure why someone was doing what they're doing. Yeah. And for a movie like this, which is so at the surface level and doesn't Mm -hmm. have a lot underneath, it seems like everything should be much more clear than it is. Yes. Yeah. Unless you're making a different movie and you want to get into those complexities, but it doesn't seem like this movie has any interest in that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's strange choices to leave certain things ambiguous. And like so ambiguous that they just make no sense. Yes. It's not even like, oh, I'm conflicted about maybe being pregnant. It's like something happened here. We're not going to tell you what. And then it'll get resolved. Yeah, because there are so many real conflicts she could be having at those moments, Mm -hmm. but we never really get into them at all. Like I said, it could be a very good teaching moment. And you can choose how much you want to go into these subjects like emergency contraception or, you know, birth control, pregnancy tests, like anything like that. You can choose to just skate the surface of that. But it's they, they don't do anything. And it's just not enough. Many of the problems in this movie are solved just by waiting. Yeah. Or being angry and waiting. Yes. Which is not a great message. No, that is not a great Something message. wrong? You don't like your boyfriend? Just be angry and wait. Might be pregnant? Just be angry and wait. Yeah, exactly. Your parents are moving on without you? Just be angry and wait. Yeah. It's not a good movie. The, the more I think about it, the worse it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little grumpy about some of the choices, especially in this storyline, because I think it could have been really good. So then at the end, we get some explanation, and hopefully that explains everything, but it doesn't really, mm-hmm. because she says she was being punished for feeling, and she realizes at the end when the baby is born that not everyone you love will leave you. Yeah. Which I'm not sure how the baby brings that about. Yeah, I don't know how to connect those two. I think they were just both like, oh, she had something with pregnancy. Here's a baby. So let's put those two together. Mm -hmm. But it didn't really connect with what we learn her her big problem was. Yeah. And the idea of everyone you love will leave you. What is that based on? I think it's supposed to be a callback to like Bailey dying. The girl she knew for two weeks that died? Yeah. But she has, she still has her mom. Yeah. And her boyfriend. And her four best friends. Yeah. And it seems like those are the only relationships in her life. So it seems like everyone you love will stick around forever in her case. (laughs) Yes. She hasn't been left. Maybe she was left by her father. We never get into that. No. And if you're going to make that a point, put that in there. But at the end of the movie, they have an anniversary party for her parents. Oh, that's right. So her dad is still in the picture. He's just not in the movie. See, that could have been a good bit if her being born or her two uh, little siblings being born is what led to her parents divorcing. Yeah. You bring that up and then it shows why she was so conflicted about the baby and then she pushed 
Brian McBrian away because <laughs> she saw this happen to her parents. She's like, if if I get pregnant, he's going to leave me. Because that I've seen that happen. Yeah. But th- she hasn't. No. They're together still. So together that they're having like an anniversary party for everybody. Yeah. So I don't know what her thing about everyone you love will leave you is. That seems like that could have been one of Bridget's things. Mm-hmm. It or one seem of to... Carmen's things. Yeah. Because her dad literally walked out. It seems more applicable to everyone than to Tibby. Yeah. So having that in mind, because she uses that as an explanation, or rather the writers use that as an explanation for her erratic behavior earlier. But if you look at those early scenes with the idea of she thinks everyone you love will leave you, it still doesn't make sense. No, no, because it doesn't fit in with her personality and her life experience. And if she was believing that, she still wouldn't behave in the ways that she did. Mm-hmm. She just did nothing. It just it wasn't a choice either way. And it seems lazy or that they're expecting the audience to just put their own thoughts on mm-hmm. it based on what they've seen in other movies. Yeah. It's not doing the work for you. Which is lazy. Yeah. Okay, so next we should talk about Carmen because we talked about her a little bit um, previously. But uh, she goes to Turkey and is now going to be an archaeologist. Bridget, that is. Bridget. And then meets her grandma. Yeah, so we learn that she's playing soccer still. Yes. But also she's an archaeologist now? Yeah, which seems very like a very big jump. Okay, but yeah, maybe that's Great. what she got into. And then she gets invited to go and just like pick up ancient skulls with her hands, which... I'm not an archaeologist. I'm going to say she's doing a lot of bad practices over there. Uh, yeah, bare hands. And kissing them. And kissing them and taking selfies with them. And and jumping over pottery. Yeah. Ancient pottery all the time. Yeah, there's like artifacts laid out. So even before the big part where she falls through, I commented out loud a bunch of times because I was worried about these fictitious artifacts. Yeah. Because she was just jumping and standing yeah. on everything. And also... When there's like a jawbone in the ground, you don't grab it and pull it out? No. I don't know why I had such strong feelings about I was feeling that, that but... too. I was feeling that too. Because like, you know, with fossils and everything, that a lot of times it could still be kind of attached to other bones. Yeah. Or in the ground. Or in the ground. That's why you have those little brushes. And that's how you learn how things go together for Mm. dinosaurs is by digging up the whole dinosaur, not just pulling jawbones out all willy-nilly. That's how you get a brontosaurus. Yes, exactly. put the head on the wrong end because people were just pulling it out all willy-nilly. All willy-nilly. They were too busy taking selfies. Yeah. And looking like, what did I, how did I describe her? Like she was in a music video. Yeah. Her clothing choices. She's an archaeologist in Turkey, and they have frequent dance parties and soccer games mm-hmm. right next to everything. Yeah, they should probably move at least 100 meters away from the dig site. At one point, she gets praise from her uh, head archaeologist. Who, yes. That actress, I can't remember her name, but she's good and she shouldn't be in this movie because the performance she's giving is at a very different level than everyone else. Yes. And I'm not saying that to insult her. I'm saying that she is giving a real performance and it seems weird when she's in the movie with some performances which are not so strong yeah yeah and a lot of like overacting and everything and she's just like being a good archaeologist she was great her she is a fantastic actor 
But anyway, that professor says like, oh, you don't care for these people? Wow, you're so detached from them. And is that normally a concern for archaeologists? Do they dig up a skull and cry? I thought like if you're an archaeologist, you're probably like, very science scientific yeah like a doctor if a doctor can do it i'm sure an archaeologist who's thousands of years you'd never be able to make it through a textbook if you're like if you're that emotional yeah just thinking about like every person that died and like it's like sad for them doctors and surgery yeah you can't be like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry as you're cutting them open like that'd be a bad doctor you do your job and archaeologists are just doing their job discovering history but then she falls through the ceiling of like a hidden tomb or something. Yeah. And rather than getting in trouble, they're like, well, you discovered something. Good job. But then she's freaking out about like, oh, did you find Cleo's grave? Because she named one of her skulls Cleo. Yeah. But they wouldn't find her grave because you found the body. So wherever the body was, that was her grave. Yeah. So that doesn't make any no. sense. But also, she then finds out that this woman was 34 and had a baby. And then she's like, oh, my God, it's like my mom. Yeah. Because we learn Bridget just has one thing in her life now. Before, it used to be boys in soccer and her dead mom. Now it's just her dead mom. Right. Everything is about that to a point where, like... She should see a she sh- She should seek professional help for sure. I definitely said that during yeah. this scene because it's like everything she sees reminds her that her mom is dead and that's not if you find a 2000 year old skeleton and you're like it reminds me of my mom like you you need to do some healing you need a lot of work you need to do a little work on yourself and maybe go to less archaeological digs we kind of skipped over the fact that before she left for turkey she found a bunch of letters from her grandmother that her father had been hiding from her yes and this is a new thing that we didn't know about yeah, and we're not sure why he was hiding them. Also, if you found a stack of letters to you, wouldn't you open them? Oh, I would have sat down in that garage and like just read, read all of them. Yeah. Rather, she packs them, takes them to Turkey, and opens them about three weeks later yeah. in Turkey. Yeah. Which is another reason why I think that these are two plots from two different books or something, because they do not work. No. They don't make sense together. No, no. Yeah, like... If you, yeah, discovered birthday cards and correspondence all from one person who you think didn't care about you for your life, for your whole life, I'd be riveted. I'd be nonstop reading those. And I wouldn't have gone to Turkey because I would have gone straight to Alabama. I think that's where it is. Yeah. 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 So why was Turkey a thing in this movie? What did we learn about Bridget? On the turkey trip that we didn't know. She has poor mental health. We knew that. (laughs) We knew that in the first one. No, but like to the extent that she has now. So all we really learn is that she misses her mom. Yeah. Which there's way better ways to do that than Mm -hmm. having her find a skull and make it remind her of her mom. Yeah. That's such a ridiculous way to show that she hasn't got over her mom's suicide. Mm Mm-hmm. Not being able to fully deal with your mother's suicide is a completely normal thing. Yes. So you don't have to go to the extent of she goes to Turkey, finds a skull. And and realizes she's not over. That's such a crazy way to deal with that. You also have letters from your grandma. Yeah. You have that. There it is. It's built in. You don't need the turkey thing. Yeah. It made no sense. No. 
But then she finally reads the letters while in Turkey and decides she's going to leave and go to Alabama. If she'd read those letters, she could have skipped Turkey. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, it didn't really add anything other than time filler. So her grandmother is super sweet in the letters, yeah. but like a real dick in person. Oh, she was so standoffish. Because I think she thought that Bridget just ignored her. Yes, she did think that. But then when Bridget tells her how it was, she still is mm-hmm. acts bizarrely. Yeah. Like when she shows up, she goes, oh, you're here? Okay, let's go to bed. Doesn't say anything to yeah. her. The next morning, they're like, oh, so why are you here? <laughs> why wouldn't that come up the first night? Yeah, at least have like a 10-minute conversation about why are you here? What do you want? How's your life? How's university? No, but she's like a tough old lady because she's working on cars. Yeah. That's how we know she's tough. She's tough. But then when she does finally start talking to her grandmother, her grandma is like, your mom was weak. You're strong. That's why you're better than her. Yeah. And it's another time when saying people who commit suicide are weak. I know. Which is not a great <laughs> message to no. give. No, that's not a good message. We shouldn't be sending that kind of narrating to young people. And we keep getting that in this series. Yeah. That you're strong. That's why you're not going to kill yourself like your weak mom. Yeah. Stop trashing the mom. She had mental health problems and Bridget clearly has mental health problems yes and you need to be encouraging her to go get help yes that could be the message yeah saying like your mom didn't know what kind of help she needed or something yeah you have these options but she doesn't because she has to go dig up a skull to realizes to realize she misses her dead mom yes and this is another moment that could have been a really good teaching moment about mental health sure. to young people. I just want I just want them to use these moments that are available to them to make a better movie. Absolutely. And I know we live in a different time now mm-hmm. as far as how mental health is depicted in movies and how we deal with it. Yes. Very true. But this goes beyond just being a product of its own time. Yeah. It's it's bad writing. They're just ignoring all yes. of these things. Yeah. Which sucks because this would have been a very good thing to see as a 17, 18 year old. Because every time they talk about her mother's suicide, someone has to go, oh, yeah, she was weak. And even so there's one side of it that's terrible mm-hmm. that implying that having those issues makes you weak. The other part of it that's terrible is she loves her mom and everyone is trashing her for killing herself. Yeah. At the funeral, they were going, oh, look at her. She's so weak. She killed herself. You don't need to trash her. Bridget loves her and you all trashing her is going to make her resent you. Yes, absolutely. And isn't going to help her heal. No, not at all. Why did the dad hide the letters? I don't know. Me neither. There was a bit of a thing where the grandmother is saying your dad would indulge her in ignoring the problem, but I won't. Oh, yes. So she said during this weird 15 second talk that they had in the middle of the night. So many weird issues brought up without explanation. Then at the end, oh, yeah, it was because of this. Yeah. But if you know that thing at the end and go back and watch the beginning, it still doesn't make sense. It's not an explanation. So basically, Grandma says that your mom would only let us be in her life if we pretended that everything was okay. And your father did that, but I couldn't. Right. 
And so maybe that's why the letters didn't get passed on. Yeah. And then she goes, oh, dad, now I know how hard it's been for you. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't be the thing that shows you how hard it's been no you should have a talk with your dad and you can both talk about how this has affected you because clearly it has and clearly you're both not dealing with it very well Mm -hmm. you both need help they should find that help in each other Mm -hmm. they don't no also her dad changes actors and is it not her dad in the first movie is too? it i don't remember he's changed character i'm not sure if he changed actor. in the second one he's like just a broken shell of a human yes and he's just like kind of deadbeat yeah and it is her real dad yeah which i i didn't realize when we were watching but um that's kind of cool because like all of her siblings and i think both her parents are actors yeah he was definitely like busy businessman kind of like distant and in this one he's like heartbroken pizza eating dad well anything else on bridget i don't think so her her story had a lot of facets to it but it that ultimately go nowhere exactly that doesn't really like they didn't lead to anything so there was no big revelation for us to talk about other than she needs mental help yes um well let's move on to Carmen, our acting school person who found her voice. I guess. I guess. So in the first movie, Carmen is just described as the writer. Yeah. When she does no writing. In this one, also, she's a writer, but now she's taken to being a stage manager. And then her journey is becoming an actor. Yeah. While Tibby is writing screenplays. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, those descriptions from the beginning of the movie aren't carried through. No. We'll get to it eventually, but just her becoming an actor I thought was a terrible choice. But yeah. let's start off. Near the beginning, before they all separate, you said out loud, Oh, Carmen's the worst. <laughs> Why were you thinking that? Um, She seems very, like, poor me and very... um. Like, she's forcing herself to be small. Yeah. I disagreed with you at that point. Yeah. I was saying, like, no, she's upset because she feels she's being left behind. And that's Mm. an issue with her because her father did that to her. And that's something that actually relates to her character. Yeah. As the movie went on, it turns out you were right, and it's not about that. She's just getting angry at people for no reason. She's angry that other people have lives. Yes. And she seems to be fighting the group of friends kind of growing up and, like, that natural kind of change in how your friendship is. She seems to be fighting that the most. Those parts, I was actually kind of on Carmen's side. Yes, yeah. Or maybe not thinking she was right, but I did think that was in line with her character. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated it then. As the movie goes on, she starts becoming angry with people for not knowing why she's angry, despite Mm -hmm. not talking to them. Yeah, like she didn't communicate with any of her friends all summer. And then when people say, yeah, I sent you an email, she just goes, oh, I don't like emails. Yeah. So what, we're just emails now? But you should read the email. You should read the emails. I think all the information was in the emails. It was. And I think that's just a point of lazy writing where like, well, why doesn't she know about all these things? Uh, She doesn't read the emails. Yeah. That's like very lazy, but it makes the character seem irrational. Yeah. 
because she seemed irrational in the beginning, which is why I'm like, okay, this character has become the worst because she's just going to be like, blah, 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 anger for the entire movie. And like, what's the point of this character now? And it brings about some of the things I hate most about female characters in film and like Mm -hmm. negative portrayals. Because I think the portrayal that I hate most about women who are the romantic leads or if it's a romantic comedy or teenage movies like this is they just make female characters act completely irrational. And Mm -hmm. then we're like, women be crazy. Yeah. And I hate it so much. It's dumb. And I don't think the first movie had that. I felt like all of these characters although not always fully developed, never got to that point. Mm -hmm. In this movie, I think there's several instances of it, and that might be the thing I hate the most about it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, they they, they take it to a level that it doesn't need to go to. So she goes to Vermont to theater camp? Yeah. It's kind of a camp, but it's also a professional production. Yeah, so they... She... Her friend talks about it like, oh, and you get to act with professional actors and it's like, it's like a really big deal. But she signs up like a day before camp starts. Yes. So like what professional theater camp just lets like my friend come along? She's going to pull some strings. She's like from a rich acting family so she can do that. Right. And then when we get there, we get Kyle MacLachlan who's in this movie and he's fucking going for it. Yeah. What a ridiculous cartoon of a character he played. Which but I liked it. At first, I hated it. And then I was like, All right, he's having fun with yeah. this, at least. I, I'm on board. With the hair. And Did the, you notice like... how he's not credited in this movie? Why? He has like a, probably in the top 10 for biggest parts. Yeah. No credit. Why? I don't know. I think he was embarrassed. I'm not sure what. Huh. Yeah, he's not in the credits in the back of the movie because I was like, I couldn't remember his last name. So I was looking it up and it wasn't in the credits. Whoa. And then when I found it on Wikipedia or something, it says in brackets, uncredited. Why? I don't know. (laughs) I want to know why. (laughs) (laughs) It's very strange to have a role that big and no credit. And he seemed to be like enjoying it. Yeah, he's going for it. He's He's, going for it. He made some choices. Oh, yeah. But I don't understand why he would be uncredited because, yeah, he's in pretty, like, like at least 50% of this, the Carmen scenes. Yeah. You'd think that he would be in it. And he's one of the biggest names. Yes. Like, he's an actual actor that people know. But let's get into this uh, love story. So she meets a guy who is the person they got when they couldn't get Heath Ledger. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, he, isn't he like a low-rent Heath Ledger? He is. He is. But he's the only guy who's not shirtless in this movie. Which it's is weird. Strange. Maybe he didn't have the abs. He needed. They needed Heath Ledger. Yeah. And this is also very frustrating for me because he because you wanted her. abs. Yeah, yeah, mainly that. Yeah. But then uh, he meets her and says, "Oh, you could be so much more than this." She's never wanted to be an actress. No. She likes what she's doing. So one reading is that. A man comes and says, this is what you need. And she goes, you're right, which I hate on one level. And then the only other reading is that if you're not getting a claim for something, it's not worthwhile work. Yeah. So both readings are terrible. And I don't like that someone who wanted to be behind the scenes, that's what she wants. She gets there. And then people are like, no, 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 that's not a worthwhile thing. Yeah. 
we'll show you what's worthwhile. And then she goes, oh, yeah, you were right. This is what I needed, which is a terrible lesson, too. It is a terrible lesson. And uh, Carmen in this movie just has no self-awareness. No. And no ability to, like, decide for herself. No. Her character, who was probably the most strong-willed in the first movie, mm-hmm. has no real sense of self in this movie. People no. constantly tell her, this is what you need, this is what you want. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're an actress now. P.S. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. Also, she is not. No. She is bad. Yes. Not America Ferreira as Carmen, but Carmen as Perdita is is terrible. And her audition, she gets up there and she just says the lines just offhanded she doesn't even try and then she gets cast in a lead yeah why because it's really dumb it would have been one thing if she was backstage and like looking at the lines and looking out at the people going oh if only i had the confidence to be out there or like and then she gives a great performance and people like whoa where did that come from she has this raw talent that we're not used to because we're so buttoned down and over rehearsed that could be something but that's not the case no um, or like her running lines with her theater friend, she learns the monologue because eventually if you hear it enough times, yeah. right? Like, and she's mouthing it backstage and then a curtain falls and they see her performance. Show that she wants that. Yeah. They never do that. And she doesn't give a good performance. So I don't know why she would be cast. Yeah. No, it, uh, she doesn't even really seem to know what she wants. So then she gets to the lead and we're on performance day. Or actually before this, her friend says that she's going on a date with not Heath Ledger. Mm -hmm. And because of this, she refuses to work with not Heath Ledger. Yeah. So you can't work with someone who doesn't love you? Yeah. And she's just like throwing fits and just won't do anything. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense either. Because you know... Women be crazy. Well, yeah, I was going to say, this is the only way that women can interact with men yeah. is on a romantic level. It's true. Um, Was that when we were watching reality TV that we were talking about that and not during the podcast <laughs> about how women and men can't just have friendship? Yeah, it seems like every movie or TV show, that's what it uh, puts yeah. out there. Like you, you can only be friends with men if you're thinking romantically about them. Yeah. But then he just says, oh, I didn't even want to go to dinner with her. And then she's like, oh, okay, I can act again. Yeah. Because every part of my being is tied up with infatuation with a man I've never really I've known. known for a week. Yeah. <laughs> so then the day of the play comes and she gets mail delivered to the theater. Yeah. And then when she gets it, much like Bridget, she doesn't open it when she gets it. She waits until the play starts. Yeah, until she's in full hair and makeup and costume and everything. And it's one minute until she has to go on and then she plays the video. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense, but oh well. And she goes out, delivers her first like three lines and gets a standing ovation in act one. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone's like so relieved that she can act again. But they didn't know who she was. No. They've never seen her before. No. Uh. And then, like all the other stories, complete mishmash of motivation and doesn't make any sense why anyone wants anything. And then at the end, they tell you something profound and you're like, oh, okay. But then you look back on it and go, wait a minute, that didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. Because at the end, she says, no one can diminish you but yourself. And you're like, yeah. And you're on her side because you like Carmen, you like these people. But then you're like, wait, what? That didn't actually have to do with your plot. No. 
No. Because I guess the theater friend was trying to make her a bad actress, so maybe she'd get that part, but that's the only thing that she ever does in that, like, storyline. Yeah, it was. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, not going to try to explain it. <laughs> it would have been a better plot, just hear me out, mm-hmm. if theater friend, the blonde girl, was, like, going after Carmen's part and trying to, you know subtly like convince the director that like oh i guess she's just not as good an actress as we thought and then like trying to play mind games and like going all out with it yeah because we had one scene of that but that's about it and then like the classic i'm ready to go on i don't know where carmen is or like whatever and like being in her costume or like just they should have taken it farther to make it more believable yes i think we've kind of finished carmen's story at theater camp and uh i think it's just such a mishmash of weirdness just like all the other stories yeah so let's talk about our final mishmash of weirdness and talk about lena let's so first what do you think has been her and costas's relationship over the last three years i think they were together but it was probably pretty hard to be that long distance so they were seeing each other? I think so. But like still once a year? Is that what they were doing? It kind of seems like it. Because he's still in Athens. Yeah. And she's in Rhode Island. Yes. So it's like, that's an expensive flight. Mm-hmm. But apparently not that expensive because she can just hop on a plane to Greece whenever she wants. Yeah. As happens later. <laughs> um. Yeah. So this is like, I could see how they would grow apart if they were together. Yeah, and she broke up with him. Yeah. For reasons we don't get into, although that's one of the things we would like to know. But Yeah, and then but then later she says he broke my heart. Yeah. So what happened there? No idea. And it's very relevant because everything in this revolves around her love life. But mm-hmm. we don't have a clear picture of what's happened over the last three years. No, there's a picture or like a video in the montage of um, him giving her a necklace and them like kissing in Greece. So I guess they just spend a month every summer together, maybe. They must. Interesting. Over this summer that the movie takes place on, Lena is taking a figure drawing class. Because she failed it? Because it's a seminar? It was a summer class. Oh, maybe she didn't fail it. No, I think... It's like a special class. I think it's like a special, like, intensive figure drawing class. Yeah. Because she really loves nipples. Right. But she doesn't get to draw nearly as many nipples in this one as in the first movie. Oh, and her drawing style has changed quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, it's completely different. Whoever was doing the artwork is a different artist than the first movie. Yeah, whatever production assistant they got to draw all those things. In this one, it looked like, do you remember in malls when there's photo booths? Oh, like the sketchy 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 photo booth, yeah. All of the pictures in this looked like photographs that were run through that pencil drawing filter yeah they looked really bad (laughs) they did they did and um yeah they did look like they just came from photos and when she goes to her first class a guy just walks up to her and goes so are you a virgin i mean a figure drawing virgin which is not a never talk to anyone like that no that's that's so gross i can't believe that that is like the charming introduction to this love interest yeah that should have been the introduction of a creep she has to avoid for the rest of this. Yes. But you know, these girls love a creep. That's Yeah, that's very true. Oh, man. A lot of problematic stuff in this. 
But yeah, and then um, he just proceeds to take off his clothes because he's going to be the nude model. And when he takes off his pants, the music... Oh, it's so bad. Ugh. It's someone going, oh, yeah. Vomit. It actually says that when yeah. he's taking off his yeah. pants. It's suddenly like C-class porno music that's from like the 1970s. <laughs> it's bad. It, everything about this moment is bad as he starts to take off his clothes. And then she comes into the studio later, and it turns out, oh, he's not just a super ripped nude guy. He's also an artist. Aww. And she looks at his painting and says, oh, I wish I could do that. I can't use paintbrushes. I think that's, like, what she envies about him is that he can use paint and she can't? Like, what, <laughs> what, what was her thing where she's like, oh, I wish I could be like you? What was it about? More alternative? She's like saying, like, I wish I had the bravery to use color. Yeah. That was her journey in the first one. Like, I'm not brave enough to let go and experience things. And then she does. And then just for this one scene, she's like, oh, I wish I was brave enough to be like this and let go. And he's like, oh, but you can. And he's going to, like, teach her romantic painting. That never really happens. It's like, it could have been like a ghost moment. Yeah. Romantic painting. But... That could have been her journey, although it already was in the first one. But they just have one scene about it, never mention it again. Yeah, exactly. Does she ever learn to paint and let go in her art? Nope. I don't know. Maybe. This is like the her return from Greece in the first movie where her hair is curly. Yeah, that's how Suddenly you know. Suddenly she's wild. In this one, if she had put color into something, we'd know, oh, she's crazy and oh, wild now. Crazy. So this guy, I can't remember his name, but he's just like your typical college guy who's completely ripped and loves painting and is also an expert chef. His name's Leo. Leo. Typical, Leo. you know, your typical 19-year-old guy. Yeah. Who's a great chef, painter, and works out six, seven hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> six, seven hours a day and has a full-time job and paints at night. Yeah. He must be tired. That's what that I was thinking. That seems like a lot, of, a lot of stuff. Well, he's probably really tired because of the way he cooks. He takes every ingredient out of his fridge, chops everything, yeah. and then just picks like two of each thing and puts it into a pot. And then he, and he to... cooks with saffron all the time. You know how expensive saffron is? <laughs> it's really pricey. He's just throwing it around like nothing. Is it nothing. the most expensive? Spice? It's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that seems... As a broke college student who has to, like, nude model to afford studio time, you'd think that, like, you'd think that he wouldn't have the money for Saffron. No, he's, everything's working out for Leo. And then we just never hear from him again. Yeah, he just disappears. They kiss. It seems like she's really falling for him. Yeah. And when Costas shows up on her campus, which, how did he know she was there? Yeah, how did he know he was there? She was there. I didn't think about that actually while we were watching it, but doesn't make any sense. But she turns him away and says no. And I thought because she is with this guy now. Yeah. But then we never see that guy again. No. What I happened? Liked, I liked their love story. Like this was kind of a fun little like she's learning to love again and she finds this guy that she's really into and like they have cute dates and she's trying to learn how to be an adult in a relationship. I like that. We get another one of my least favorite tropes when a wild male artist says, "Oh, you're my muse." Yeah. It's not a, don't be anyone's muse. It, it doesn't work out. I liked, I think you audibly like rolled your eyes <laughs> and went, ugh. 
It's either a pretentious college student who thinks they're sounding romantic or someone who actually believes that and will not treat you well. Yeah. Don't be someone's muse. It's not sustainable. Okay, so if you've learned anything from our podcast, it's don't be someone's muse and seek mental help. I'd go the latter before the former, but sure. (laughs) Well, I think it's different advice for different situations. I don't think all four are going to happen to you at once. (laughs) (laughs) But then when Costas comes back, he said, oh, actually, she lied about being pregnant. She's not pregnant. Yeah. Which, again... Women be crazy. Yeah. Why does that have to come up so often? I Couldn't know. it be like, don't have the pregnancy part in there and saying like, we don't have, I never had with her what I have with you. Exactly. Our families thought it was time for us to get married. Or I missed you so much. I jumped into this and I shouldn't have. And now I know that. Yeah. Those are all normal things that someone can experience like trying to force yourself into a relationship after a very like powerful deep relationship sure that's a rebound we have a word for that it's called rebound (laughs) but then he comes there and he's apologizing for marrying someone yeah which also if someone breaks up with you you're allowed to move on yeah you don't have to apologize for moving on no But she was lying about being pregnant, so then they got divorced, and now he wants to get back together. And she says no, which at the time makes sense, but then in the end, she just goes to Greece, and they're back together? Yeah. On a boat in the moonlight, wearing all white. Oh, yeah. Remember how she just goes down in her nightgown? And it was very see-through in the first scene when she gets out of bed because the moonlight, like, hits it and you can see, like, her whole body underneath it. And then she just, like, wanders around Greece in the nighttime in that see-through. Why does she go down? She goes down to see him, right? Yeah. And then they kiss And she goes, like, I hope that he's laying on his boat with candles around him all in white. And then he is. Yeah. I don't think he has candles. I think it's the ocean, like, sparkling. Oh, uh, it's just the moon spotlights him because yeah. he was well lit more he so was than everything well else. very well lit, yeah. And then she's like, okay, yeah, I'm back into you. What's changed? Nothing. Yeah. She just chose to. She just decided that this was it. But first she goes to Greece to find the pants. Yes. We forgot about this. Oh, also, by the way, she has a sister now. Yeah. yeah. Where was that sister before? I got just, like, in the background being ignored. Also, that sister is like 16 and is then with Brian McBrian? Yep. Brian, come on, man. Like, you're Gross. only dating high school girls. That is not cool. Yeah. So we assume that he's like 23. Yeah. Because we thought he was older than Amber Tamblin. Yeah. So then that makes him just like a serial high school dater. That's gross. Yeah. But there was a moment where the sister says to her that I've never been a part of your group. You love them more than you love me. That's something that I'd love to explore. Yeah, I'd love to see her relating to her sister and then her sister finding out like we have something that transcends all of this mm-hmm. like other stuff the pants everything like that build, we are sisters build that sister relationship in greece yeah they send effie home as lena's getting to greece so they never even really have a moment no she leaves effie is scared to talk to lena yes it's yeah i so meant many like strange the movie sh- sends her home right, but right. yeah like, it's just strange. There are so many moments that they could have had, like, a really nice sister bond at one point. Yeah. That's an interesting thing when mm-hmm. she says that. And I thought that was going to be followed up on. It was not. Mm-mm. 
Instead, her friends come because they need to find the pants. No, they come because they want to force her to get back together with Costas. Mm -hmm. And they do. But she kept saying, I don't want to be with him. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, too bad, you're going to be. And we're going to make it happen. Now you're with him. Yeah. P.S. And it works out. That's another weird thing. Like, if someone's saying, I don't love that person, Mm -hmm. don't force them. Mm Mm-mm. That's not being a friend. That is not being a good friend. That is not listening to what your friend is saying. And uh, maybe just like let them make decisions for themselves. But this brings us to the fun part where they're all in Greece together. Yeah. Looking for those pants. But it kind of comes up like all of these mini plots do Mm -hmm. where there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. And then there's some sort of grand gesture or grand explanation Mm -hmm. at the end. And then everything's better. And they have issues in this because they're not trusting each other. They're not believing what they're saying. And they're feeling that one another aren't completely honest and they're drifting apart. Yeah. But then like, we came to Greece. Everything's better. Yeah. They don't actually deal with anything. They no. just make a grand gesture. And that, that's more indie dating advice for all of you. If someone keeps fucking up and then just says like, oh, but I bought you this cake. That's that's not helping the no. situation. No. That's, that's not an actual meaningful gesture. No. It's a distraction. Oh. Why did they want him with Costas? She broke up with him and is dating someone else. So you'd think they'd be supportive of that. Um, Because they truly believe that they belong together? They probably haven't even met him. No, they'd only seen pictures. They don't know anything about Costas. Why are they so sure of her feelings for Costas? It's not like she's always talking about him or anything. In fact, she's moved on and told him to leave. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think that they would stay out of it. Don't force ex-boyfriends on your friends. Yeah. How about that? That's another life lesson. Remember how he grew up in the States and then moved to Greece at like the age of 12? And he gained an accent. And he gained That's an accent. That's what happens. Yeah. You know, most people get their accents from the ages of 12 to 15. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and now he's going to the London School of Economics. And I think I made a joke that now he'll be British. Oh, he's going to come back British. He's going to come back British. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know what their future has in store for them. Because yeah. we don't know the reasons behind their breakup, but... It doesn't seem like anything's going to change. They're going to see each other once a year. Yeah. It might be like a slightly cheaper flight from New York to London, but still, they're still going to be on different continents. And then in the end, they never find the pants, which I was surprised with. Yeah. And I like the idea that they come to of, it's not the pants that keep us together. It's our friendship. Yeah. That's good. It wasn't hit quite as hard as some of these other, like quote-unquote lessons that they have because this is an actual lesson so i thought they would have hit it a little harder but they have this line of that i really did like actually about now they are back to a place of forgiveness and love Mm -hmm. and i loved the little summary at the end and i was like oh yeah that that is good and then you think like that didn't happen in the movie though it's a great little tagline at the end yeah they just like throw that in to be like see resolution and they never actually did any of that so do you think the pants disappear because it's time for them to move on and just be there for each other without the pants i think so i think the pants were like training wheels oh training pants training (laughs) that's a different thing (laughs) um i think they were like training wheels and they like learned how to love each other be best friends apart 
And now they're adults, so they can kind of do it on their own. Did I sum that up well enough? Yeah, that's good. Okay. And I think that idea is there at the end, but I don't think those things are built throughout the movie. Yeah, no, they're not. It seems like this movie is a bunch of mishmashed ideas put together. And then in each one, they're like, this doesn't really make any sense. Let's say something kind of profound at the end to sum it up. And people will think that we were building to that the whole time. Yeah. But they weren't. They just have good little catchphrases at the end of each story. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us close to the end. I um, think so. Do you want to summarize your feelings or say how you would change this movie to make it better? I think I've said that quite a bit already, but uh, I think more teaching moments. Uh, because this is a very vulnerable age of viewer um, that could actually learn a lot from these things. Um, I think uh, the way they dance around mental health and the like complexities of that kind of thing, I think that I, they could have done a really way better job and made it a more heartfelt uh, kind of learning movie. And uh, I think that we need to stop relying on the women are crazy storyline yes, so heavily in movies like this because it just teaches people bad things. Because every female character who isn't one of the four does like bad things for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like the little sister is sabotaging things for no reason. Yeah. Carmen's friend at the acting camp. Just all of the other ones are yeah, unnecessarily bad. Yeah. Yeah, and you're basically learning, like, don't open to yourself up to anybody new. And it's that whole thing that I always complain about, and that female relationships are equal part friendship and competition, which mm-hmm. I don't like. And this, the sisterhood itself, the four of them, they're all about, like, lifting each other up. Yeah. But it does not extend beyond the four of them. In this movie, it barely extends to the four of them. It's true. It's very true. Um. So, yeah, more communication more teaching moments, I think that would have made this movie much better. Yeah, I want to rewrite it because I think it could be good. Like, Mm -hmm. let's say Tibby. Let's rewrite Tibby real quick. Okay. So um, they have the pregnancy scare, and she's not sure if she's pregnant or not. And then we bump up the part where she helps with delivering Carmen's mom's baby. Yeah. So then she sees the love that she has for the baby Mm -hmm. and goes like, oh, it's a realization in her. And then she goes back to Brian McBrien and says like, look, this is what I've been dealing with. And you know what? I'm not ready. I feel like I'm just a child. And he's like, I'm not ready either. Like, all I know is that I love you. Mm -hmm. And then they decide like... It's not our time for that. Mm -hmm. And then maybe she does. Like, I know you can't put an abortion in a traveling pants movie, but say she does. Yeah. But they realize, like, that's something great and wonderful. And one day that might be for us. Yeah. That's hers. Oh, that's so good. Then I want to see that movie because it deals with complex things at a young age. Who's another character? I'm going to rewrite them all. This is fun. Okay, Carmen. Okay, so Carmen goes to this camp with her friend... And the love interest is like this dashing British guy. Mm-hmm. And both of them are like, whoa, kind of infatuated. Mm-hmm. And she does, he does a speech to Carmen of, you can be so much more than this. Because she's the stage manager, let's yes. say. Yeah. And so she gets the part and she's the lead. And her friend, you know what her friend, let's make her friend um, Lena. What if Lena was being 
No, okay. That, no. That, it would be good if it was Lena because I think I just want to see them together because I felt like their bond isn't strong and I would like to strengthen it. Yes. But her friend is um, sad that Carmen got the part because she's been wanting this part her whole life and that's why Carmen knows the lines is because she was practicing Helping. with her yeah. friend so much. But Carmen gets it and her friend is like, is heartbroken mm-hmm. about it. Doesn't do anything about it. That's but a she's heartbroken about it. to that. And Carmen knows this, but she's like, you know what? It's my time. Like, mm-hmm. I'm always in the background. It's my time to shine. So then on the day, she probably has to he- overhear the British now like semi-boyfriend saying like, oh, yeah, she's a star. I'm I'm a star. And maybe talking about other girls who are like big time stars. Right. And Carmen has like stage fright and everything. And the stage manager gets sick and has to go home. And on the production day, like, the director's like, oh, we need someone who knows how to do all of these things. Mm -hmm. And Carmen is like, I can do that. And they think, but Carmen, you're the star of the show. And she's like, no, I was never the star. I was just doing what I learned from blank friend here. And the friend is like, no, no, Carmen, you've earned this. And she's like, maybe, but I don't want this. Yeah, you, you want this. You earned this. You want this. This is your dream. You go out there and live your dream. Mm -hmm. She's helping her friend get what she wants. But also, Har- Carmen doesn't need the spotlight. That's not who she is. Yep. She's the behind-the-scenes helper. And she's like, I'm going to stage manage the fuck out of this play. And she does. Yep. She does a great job. And then everyone at the end, you know, when they're applauding, they bring her out on stage. Yeah, her and friend says, pulls her out. Yeah, and, and they, they get applaud. to, like, hold hands and bow. And... and they both get what they want. Yeah. And fuck the, uh, the British boyfriend. Yeah. He doesn't matter We anymore. don't need to have him. Who else do we got? Uh, Bridget. Bridget. So Bridget, I guess Bridget has to go away because it would make it so much easier if she could just stay home. But that doesn't really go along with how this movie goes. So Bridget goes away maybe to Turkey and we just need to have her have a strong bond with somebody there. So like that professor who was great and could actually do this, Mm -hmm. they start talking about things like this. And she says like, oh, yeah, the skull reminds me of my mother and... The professor's like, oh, that shouldn't be, but says it better than that. <laughs> and she starts talking uh, about about her feelings for her mom. And she's like disappointed in her dad because where has her dad been through all this? Mm-hmm. He's either dad in part one where he's a businessman and is always off doing stuff. Or he's the dad in part two who's just like a broken shell of a man. Mm-hmm. I say you play him as the busy businessman up to this point. Yeah. Then Bridget goes back early to confront her dad of like, you haven't been there for me. Yeah. All this has been going on and I don't have anyone to talk to. I bear my soul to uh, this professor, but I can't talk to my own father. Yeah. So she goes home to confront him. And then we see this part two version of the dad, this broken guy who who thought he had the place to himself for the two months mm-hmm. and has just been like living in squalor and is just clearly, clearly broken. And we get... Bridget being able to express like this is how I felt Mm -hmm. I didn't realize my father's going through the exact same thing yes and they help each other grow he's been doing this like oh I'm busy doing business to like maintain some level of normalcy for Mm -hmm. her and together they realize like it's okay that we're both not doing good yeah and we're gonna do better because we have each other Mm -hmm. and that's her story we don't need to bring grandma into it no why or if she finds a box of letters, she finds a box of letters that are all written by her dad to her. Yeah. 
saying all the things that he wants to say but never could. Like over the year that she's been in college. Yeah. Yeah. Or over the years since the mother died. Yeah. He's been writing these letters, but he feels like he has to maintain this uh, like strong, stoic yeah. outside appearance to be strong for her because he thinks that's what she needs. They're both trying to do what the other one needs without mm-hmm. taking care of themselves or each other. But yeah. they, they think they are, right? Yeah. It's a better story. It's a way better story. And then for Lena, I guess that could be the weak one. She always gets the weak story. She does. Um, yeah, Costas does get married and she's moved on. She meets this guy who's going to take more risks with her art and she learns to do the same thing. But I don't know, that one's, I could probably put some more thought into that. That's why I thought she would be good in that Carmen story oh, as yeah. being the friend. Yeah. But yeah, that's my uh, rewrite of Traveling Pants too. I really like that. I like this movie, and I think it should be remade with these actresses in it. Yeah, They might be a little old for the same parts. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's enough for me because I've been talking for a long time. But yeah. Yeah, like I said, lots of good things at the end, but they're like one sentence at a time trying to make this into the heartfelt movie that we got in the first one, but it's not successful. It's not, it's not successful, and it kind of sucks. Yeah, a little bit. I don't I don't hate it because I still like the characters enough, mm-hmm. but it's not good. Yeah. Well, if you for some reason haven't seen this movie yet and have no idea what we're talking about, uh you can find it on Canadian Netflix, uh Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants number 2, and uh we will see you next week. Oh, and also, if you're looking for this movie, do you know that someone who I don't know <laughs> made a Google Drive folder that has all of our most recent movies in it if you need to find those movies to watch. Perfect. So you can email us and we'll send it to you. Or if you made it, because we don't know who made it, we'll send you the link and you can say like, oh yeah, that was me or it wasn't me. But (laughs) all of the most recent movies that we're doing on this podcast will now be in that folder for you to watch. magically appear. Yeah, that's crazy. How could they contact us, Samantha? Oh, you can email us at I love this, you should, and the number two at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ILTYS and the number two. And you can find us on Facebook at I love this, you should, two dash podcast. And uh, you can contact us through any of those channels and we'll, we'll be able to talk to you. And join us next week where we'll each have a spoiler review of something for our thing of the week. And I will do a little preview of what we'll be watching for the week after that. Perfect. We will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.